Welcome to American-ish, where we discuss faith, love, culture, and everything in between. I'm Adela Kochav. And I'm Mary Mwaba, and we are the Daughters of Diaspora. We're going to talk about a lot of things this episode relating to hair, hair showing, modesty. Um, and I think it would be a really good and controversial place to start in hijab. So um, I'm not Muslim, so I have never worn the hijab as a show of my faith or religion or anything like that. But um, growing up, and especially when we immigrated to America and then we'd go back to Egypt, um, I had to put on a hijab whenever we'd go back. Um, my father's family lives in a, a very like off the dirt road village, very conservative. One of the only Coptic Christian uh, families in the town was my dad's uh, family. So having to abide by those rules and cover my hair was something that was very normal to me. Um, landing in Cairo even, which is really weird because Cairo is a very metropolitan city and um, it looks like New York City. You have English everywhere, at least now. Um, but having to cover my head was very normal. Um, even landing in the airport and, and driving into the city. So I have a very interesting um, relationship with head coverings and the hijab and um, things of that nature because it's not something that's necessarily integrated into my culture in my community, but it's something that I have been weirdly a part of. Mm -hmm. And it's um, a really touchy topic for me to discuss because again, it's not part of, it's not me. It's something that I have been I don't want to say force. Force is a strong word, but I, I have had to do it and take part of it. And um, I think in the in the modern conversation about feminism and women's rights, a lot of Western feminists bring the hijab into the conversation as a form of an as a form of empowerment and a choice, and you should be able to make that choice. I remember a few years ago, even a few months ago. In France, there was a law that forbade the hijab or the burqa, which is the full face covering. And um, a lot of people were saying, you know, like white women or French women are allowed to cover their hair with a scarf. So why can't a Muslim woman cover her head with a hijab? And um, the conversation's really icky. Icky is the right word to describe it because um, anybody that knows us knows we're all for female empowerment, knows we do what makes you feel good, makes you feel empowered, it's not hurting anybody else, but the conversation about hijab is different. Um, my experience with hijab, most women that I have known that have worn the hijab have done it because they were forced to. There was a uh, YouTube clip that went viral on uh, Twitter a few weeks ago um, that showed like a compilation of like 20 different women telling their brother, their dad, their husband that they're about to take off the hijab as a as a prank. And in 99.99% of the situations where they were telling their husbands, dads, brothers that they're about to take off the hijab, the male in that video began hitting the woman. So there's one conversation to be had about empowerment and choice, but there's a whole other behemoth of a conversation to be had about the hijab as a, a means to control women, as a means to control women's sexuality in the public space, women's role in the public space, women's role in in um, just community, stepping outside the house. Why do I need to cover my hair? Or why do I not need to cover my hair? Do I have a choice in that? Um, Afghanistan recently, with, with all that's been happening, women have the laws have changed to that women now need to have full face and head coverings. Um, 
So there's a lot more to be dug out of this conversation, but that's kind of, that's the foundation I want to lay. Um, but now that we're talking about head coverings and hair coverings, I, when it first came out, I watched Unorthodox and um, I saw like the wigs and I, I, I live in Brooklyn, so I live very close to the Orthodox Jewish community there. And I see a lot of hair coverings. And if, if it's not by the head shave and wig, it's like a, a shawl or something in the young woman. Can you explain to me what that is? Because I am very, very unfamiliar. Um, so yeah, actually in Judaism, a married woman has to cover her head. And um, there's a lot of discussion in the Gemara, different commentaries and different traditions on what exactly it means to cover the hair. So for Ashkenazi women, a lot of them will wear wigs if they're Orthodox, and shaving the head makes it easier to wear the wig. Um, for Sephardic women, for the most part, they'll do headscarves. But again, this is for more religious and only if you're married. So single women like me don't have to wear a head covering. Um, young girls, people who are divorced, um, that's not necessary. Um, another you know, discussion within the community was, well, if the whole point is not to show the hair, is covering it with other hair kind ah. of defeating the purpose. Yeah. Um, Sephardic women, for the most part, use the headscarf covering. Um, but again, this is only when you're married. A lot of women, um, for example, my mom, uh, when she was married, she is divorced now, but when my mom was married, um, she would cover her hair with a small lace, um, you know, circular thing when we went to synagogue. And it was a way, um, it's, a, you know, a show of modesty. I will say, as a single woman in the Syrian community, it was very nice because it means that all the women who are married are showing they're married. <laughs> and I'm up there for display, but that's a conversation for another time. Um, but it is a general show of modesty. Completely, completely agreed. Um, I think one thing that's interesting is that men always have to cover their hair as per Jewish law. Um, not their hair, they just have to wear the yarmulke. People always ask about the male Jewish head covering, which is... Um, to remind the man that God is always above him. And when I asked, well, why don't girls have this? I was told because girls always remember God is above them <laughs> and men need an extra reminder. That's really funny. Um, next time we see Rabbi Ari Lam, we should ask him more about like, what is the intention of covering the hair? Is it to de-beautify? Is it modesty, et cetera, et cetera? I think it's modesty. I think that's going to be the general consensus. Yeah. Um, okay. I want to, I want to zoom out a bit and talk about modesty outside of faith and religion. Um, so I know you have some thoughts about modesty uh, as a general virtue. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think that there's a time and place for everything. Like I said, like my mom never covered her hair, but in a synagogue, for the most part, she would try to wear the lace on top. And I think that, you know, if you think of religious spaces like a church, a mosque, a synagogue, the kotel, um, these are all spaces that require a higher amount of modesty. Um, it's modesty attached to faith in that if it's not your faith, you should respect what the faith has set as their standard. And if it is your faith, if you're not that religious, but that's what's required of that space, I think it's important to be respectful. Mm. At least I try to be respectful. But I think in American culture today, there's really been a deterioration of, um, in general, modesty. Not to say that women shouldn't wear what they want to wear. You can. But I think that the line between empowering women and things that are generally indecent has been entirely blurred. So, for example, in Portland, there was this protest of this woman that danced nude as a show of female empowerment. And everyone's like, wow, so strong. But I looked at that and I said, if a man was doing that, I would say I'm disgusted. Mm -hmm. um, 
not in that there's anything inherently shameful about the human body. And we could talk about all these philosophical contexts of why, as humans, we have sexualized the human body. Sure, we could talk about that. But I think that, you know, in a culture, in a society, that if I saw a man walking in Times Square entirely nude and I had a young child with me, I would feel uncomfortable. Um, I'd feel uncomfortable myself, forget the young child. So I think that that's less about gender. And I think that we could talk about like the free the nipple movement, like all those things are things that are separate from this. I think that in general, there's um, been a line that's blurred entirely between empowerment and profanity. And it's something that does worry me. As you're talking, the thing that comes to mind, um, looking at modesty and, and the human body, uh, the naked human body and shame and trying to like find a way where all these three things connect. And as a Christian, I can't help but think about the story of creation and the moment that um, Adam and Eve get kicked out of, of the garden, they immediately realize that they were naked. Mm-hmm. And up until that point, they hadn't realized that they were naked. Um, so I wonder if there's something there about the the idea of shame as a concept and the human body and if there's something shameful about that. Um, I'm I am posing questions. I am not <laughs> trying to be implicit, um, but this is what the show's about, asking questions. Um, so thank you so much, Adela, for sharing that with me. And um, thank you for joining us. We'll see you next one.